Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald Podcast, where we say love to live to love. That's our focus, that's our passion, and we invite you to let God's Word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James. But for this month, we are on the greatest Christmas verse in the Bible, and uh, we're going to say it uh, out loud together like we've been doing every week. Now, have you got this memorized yet? Oh, I forgot to tell you about my, uh, forgot to tell you about my, do um, you like my Christmas outfit? Do you think it looks pretty Christmassy? Wait, but you haven't seen it all yet. Look, check, check. All right, all right, so I'm fired up about Christmas. And more than that, I'm fired up about this verse, the greatest Christmas verse in the whole Bible. I've been hoping you'd memorize it this month. Maybe uh, next Sunday, the last week, maybe I'll put it up with some words missing. But for right now, let's lift up our voice and uh, read this great verse together, Isaiah 9, 6. Ready? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and how that's really the greatest statement in the entire Old Testament about the incarnation. Unto us a child is born, that's the humanity of Christ. Unto us a son is given, not born, given, that's the deity of Christ. And then last week we talked about uh, how he can carry us all, that the only solution to the problems of human government ultimately are found in Christ himself. Today uh, we're going to be talking about this next phrase, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And then last, uh, but not least in any way, next Lord's Day, God willing, uh, Christmas Sunday, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen? Amen. Why don't you go ahead and take a seat, and I'm going to pray. Father, we come before you uh, now in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we just ask that in this uh, proclamation of your truth that you would stir within our hearts uh, fresh love and adoration and faith in the one uh, whose name uh, is called a wonderful counselor. This we pray, Jesus, uh, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, I think it's still good to open your Bibles, even though you feel like you probably got this scripture down. So go ahead and grab your uh, copy of God's Word. And if you don't have one with you, there should be one somewhere under one of the chairs in front of you. And let's all get our eyes on the Old Testament book, Isaiah. Isaiah was the greatest of the prophets. So really, it's not even a debatable point. The greatest scriptures in regard to Christ are, uh, all came from his pen uh, almost a thousand years before Christ was born, and now uh, this has all been verified. Some people tried to say, well, maybe all this stuff was written after Jesus. I'm incorrect. The uh, Dead Sea Scrolls found in the Qumran Caves are verification that hundreds of years before Christ was ever on this earth, ever heard of, that these prophecies about Jesus were written, not just about his death, like Isaiah 53, but about his birth. And uh, we're looking at one of those prophecies, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We've already kind of quoted it together. And uh, let's begin uh, with this uh, thought today. Uh, names are very important. Uh, his name uh, shall be called. And when you call someone out by their name, that's kind of a big deal. And it just indicates that you know them and that you know who they are and, Jim, what's up? And when you see a person and you call out their name, um, someone has said that uh, the, most, uh, the best sound uh, to a person is the sound of their own name. I'm not 
sure if that's great. I can think of a lot of sounds that are better to me than my name. Uh, nevertheless, I get the point they're making. There's a connection that happens uh, when you know someone by their name. Right, Scott? Right? There's a connection there when you can say someone's name. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Isn't that right? Tim, that right? All right, so... Um, but the name, uh, oh, oh, before we get to that, um, so what are the biggest names this year? Anybody know? Just call out what you think. Most popular names, if you were having a baby this year, uh, if you want to have the most popular name, what would you be calling your, uh, let's start with a boy. Okay, go ahead, I'm listening. Most popular name for a boy? No, man, last night they got it. Ethan, number one name right now, Ethan. Number two name uh, in America to call your boy uh, Jacob. I thought that was interesting. We have a Jacob here. And Ethan, Jacob, number three, most popular name in America for boys right now, uh, Noah. For real. I, li- I mean, I like that name. That's a good Bible name. Um, I'm thinking Ark every time I hear that. <laughs> Ethan, Jacob, Noah, all great names. Uh, number one girl's name, anybody? Emma, no, not, no. Not now, not this year. Number one girl's name right now, can you believe it? Uh, Isabella. Isabella, very, very popular right now. Olivia is number two for girls, and number three, Sophia for girls. It was Marshall McEwen, the great uh, social commentator, that said that the name of a man is a humbling blow from which he never recovers. <laughs> and, and I thought, uh, that's kind of sad, because have you seen what some of these celebrities are calling their, na- their kids? It's like, really? Were you on drugs when you picked that? Like, like Gwyneth Paltrow, you know what she called her little daughter? Really? Like, tell me that kid's not going to have a hassle at school. I mean, can you think of all, I can already think of all the clever things that are going to get said to her, you know, and, and an apple a day keeps, you know, wow. And uh, some guy named David Bakovny, if you've heard of him, uh, called his kid, you know, a kid, K-Y-D. That's a slap in the face. Uh, Bono, ever heard of Bono? Uh, he called uh, his daughter Memphis Eve. Thank you for the insight as to uh, where she was conceived. Um, Edge, also with you too, has a, a child named Blue Angel. I thought this was wor- the worst one. The uh, uh, Hollywood actor Rob Morrow, Morrow? Rob Morrow called uh, uh, his daughter uh, Two. Get it? Hi, I'm tomorrow. Really? I mean, that's like, that's like a life sentence. I could say a lot more about names. I heard names. I've done so many baby dedications through the years. I stand up and you got to hold this kid. You got to say what their parents called them. And, and it just, so I don't want to get any more hot water. I'm just going to say um, names are very important. Okay. I'm kind of our, proud of our track record. Uh, Luke, when Luke was born, uh, his name was a number 106 in popularity. On his 20th birthday, his name was now, had climbed to number 41. Uh, Landon, when he was born, his name in popularity was number 311. And on his 20th birthday, his name had climbed to number 36. Abigail was number 90 when she was born, and on her 20th birthday, her name was number 7. All right? So parents, at least try to pick a name on the way up, okay? Because... <laughs> They're, they're not, they're not going to hassle you very much about what they're called when they're three and four. But let me tell you, when they go to college, they're going to have some thoughts about what you decided to call them. All that to say that uh, names, uh, names are very important. Uh, not nearly as important in our thinking, however, as they were in biblical times. 
You know, in biblical times, what you called a child was hugely important, so much so, now if you have a baby, have I, have I mentioned that we've had some grandchildren? Have I mentioned that? So we've been around the naming thing quite a bit lately, and, and uh, the babies, uh, when they're born, you're at the hospital, they want to know what that name is. And, and you got to get it. they got to fill out that certificate. It's real official. you got a couple hours to figure it out. But if you don't, they're on you. If you haven't picked the name of the baby, by the time you leave the hospital, they're calling social services on you. That's the truth. All right? You've got to have that name. Uh, in Old Testament times, they would have a ceremony eight days into the life of the child circumcision for the male, but a ceremony in either case where they would gather all the family around and they would publicly announce the name of the child. It was a hugely important thing. Now, contrary to popular opinion, it always meant something, but it wasn't always positive. Sometimes they would give something that the child had to live up to. Sometimes they would pick a name, uh, as in Jacob. Jacob's name means deceiver. And sometimes the parent would choose a name that the child was to live down. Uh, but in either instance, whether positive or negative, uh, the name was a picture of a life mission vision that the parent had for the child. And so much so that when God would call someone in, in the Old Testament, when God would call someone, he would often change their name. Can you think of an example of someone who had their name changed in the Bible? Okay, Saul to Paul in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, how about, tell me. Okay, Abraham, his name was Abram, which means exalted father. And God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many. This was a, a change of his life vision. Uh, Jacob had his name, who meant deceiver, had his name changed to Israel. And that was the, he was the father of that entire nation. And uh, so names very, very, very important. Jot down this reference, Proverbs 22, 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. You know, the reality is, is that when people hear your name, they think some things immediately about you and about your life and about what you stand for, where you work when your name is heard. There are thoughts that come with that, experiences that people have had with you, positive and negative. We all fall in many ways, the Scripture says, but your name communicates something. I'm very thankful for my uh, name, my last name. It doesn't mean a great deal uh, around here in such a big city, but where I'm from. Well, I thought I'd show you this picture today. I don't think I've ever brought this to church. This is a picture of uh, my great-grandfather. Uh, his name was Hugh uh, McDonald, and uh, that's a picture of uh, me and my, me and my brother. That's my brother, and that's me. Go ahead, say it. A little close up. That's me. Go ahead. I just wanted to get that part over with. All right, back to the back to the main picture. This is me coming out of church. What about four years of old? Three years old? Probably three. With my great grandfather coming out of the same church. That is a, a huge, huge uh, treasure uh, to me. And uh, my great-grandfather, Hugh, uh, I have here something else that I wanted to show you. Maybe I can just get you a little close-up on this. But uh, this uh, sits on my desk where I prepare my sermons. For me, it's a huge part of the importance of a name. This is a photocopy from my great-grandfather, Hugh's Bible. And uh, this is what he wrote in his Bible, soon to be a hundred years ago. Uh, Hugh MacDonald, born of the flesh, 
May 29, 1875. Born again of the Spirit through faith in the finished work of the Son, Jesus Christ, January the 12th, 1917. And so he was in his early 40s when he gave his life to Christ. And then he writes out the scripture from Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is an awesome thing that God was working. Now, here's the amazing thing. Hugh, my great-grandfather, had four sons. Uh, Jack, my grandfather, and also uh, Donald and Dougal and Bruce. Four sons. Only one of those sons followed Christ. All uh, the other three were open, uh, vocal rejectors of Jesus Christ. Four sons, father converted in his 40s, you can understand, kids already grown. One of them embraced the Savior, three did not. In fact, my great, great, it would be Uncle Donald just died in 2007. He was 94 years old. My dad went to visit him in the last weeks of his life. He wanted nothing to do with Christ and experiences the consequences of rejecting the Savior. But I want you to think about how my life was altered, not by my father, not by my grandfather, but by my great-grandfather and then the choices that my grandfather made that separated him from his three brothers. And what seems like an important decision uh, becomes a very important decision over the decades, almost to a century now, becomes a mega decision in terms of where that sets your life. Now, note that reference again, Proverbs 22, uh, 1. Uh, a good name, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. My uh, grandfather, maybe it's because of what his brothers did, but my grandfather, uh, uh, Jack, chose uh, to change his last name. Uh, all of my ancestors before that were McDonald's, M.C., and for some reason, uh, my, maybe it was because of the difference between he and his brothers and where their lives went, and I'm not... I'm sparing you the details, but great difference in where their lives went. And so my grandfather changed our name from Mick to Mac, MacDonald, M-A-C. And uh, maybe he was, that means son of, maybe he was truly the son of uh, Hugh in the most important ways. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that all McDonald's MC are heathen. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Including those Hamburg people, all of it. Names are very important. Jot down this second thing. Jesus' names are most important of all. Back to Isaiah 9, 6. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, his name shall be called. His name is the most important name. I uh, won't have you, don't jot these down. Don't try to, I'm just going to read through them quickly. But you know, you learn so much about someone from their name. When the Bible tries to describe to us Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's like, it uses names. He has many, many, many names to communicate many things about the manifold nature of his incredible, awesome character. Let me just read through some of these for you and just, just listen and let them wash over you. The Bible calls Jesus Alpha and Omega, Ancient of Days, Anointed One, Bread of Life, Bridegroom, Bright and Morning Star, brightness of his glory, Christ, day star to arise, Emmanuel, I am, of course, Jesus, Lamb of God, Lily of the Valleys, Lion of the tribe of Judah, Lord of Lords, Light 
mighty God, morning star, holy one of Israel, good shepherd, resurrection and life, rose of Sharon, shepherd, son of God, son of man, son of righteousness, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, and worthy. All of these things are statements about Jesus Christ and who he is. You can learn so much of the Savior, about the Savior just by undertaking a study of his name. And so when the scripture says, his name shall be called, that's Almighty God himself designating, these are the things I want you to know about the Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, in the New Testament, the entire uh, drama of the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ, our spiritual descendants, our spiritual parents back, how many centuries? Uh, the battle was raging around the subject of his name. From the book of Acts, we learn that they were saved in his name. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved, Acts 4.12. They were baptized in his name, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. They were healed in his name, Acts 3.6. Peter said, silver and gold I have none, but what I have to give to you, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In his name, rise up and walk. They suffered in his name, Acts 5.40. When they called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. Saved in the name, baptized in the name, healing in the name, suffering in the name. They were even dying for the name of Jesus and all that that meant and represented. Acts 21, 13, Paul answered, What are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. Jesus' names, names are important. Jesus' name is most important of all. Now, as I was preparing this message, I just thought to myself, I, I don't know what I can do to cultivate in you that, that moving from a head to a heart understanding. I thought the best thing we could do is just maybe sing one of the uh, many songs that we sing uh, that talks about this, the name of Jesus and what it is to treasure that. Let's sing. Jesus, in your name we pray. Sing, church. Come and fill our hearts today. Fill us, Lord. Lord, give us strength to live for you and glorify your name. That's right.
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. Let's look at what his name is called. The first, a couplet, uh, wonderful counselor. Now, uh, some of your translations have this wrong. His name's not called wonderful. Now, he is wonderful, amen? Amen. All right, he's wonderful in every sense of that word. But when we were kids, we used to sing uh, the song, His Name is Wonderful, His Name is Wonderful. That's not what this is saying. All right, they're couplets. Uh, the first uh, word is an adjective describing. He, it's a kind of counselor that he is. Um, and wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, uh, not just any prince, but a prince of peace. So they're couplets. And so... Uh, I think the best translation is not wonderful, comma, counselor, but wonderful counselor. We'll get to wonderful in a minute. Let's just talk for a moment about he's a counselor. He's a counselor. Now, a lot of times when people think of counselors, they get this kind of, you know what I'm talking about, that sort of weird picture in your head, like I'm laying on a couch and I'm pouring out my heart and in every way just, uh, here's some things that I have to say and I'm so thankful that I can pay you to listen to me. And, and um, by the way, that's not wrong. Everyone say that's not wrong. Well, it is unfortunate, though, that sometimes people have to go to that length just to get some basic conversation, just a listening ear. Um, that's what the body of Christ is for, uh, so that we can listen to one another, all right, so we can hear one another. I just turn to your neighbor and say, that's what you're for. Yeah, and men especially. I'm doing you a little upgrade here, ladies. Uh, just listen, man. That'll help. Yesterday, my Kathy was telling me about something, and, and, and I started, well, we could do this. She's like, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. Ladies, am I helping you out there a little bit? All right? And come on, come on, come on. All right? So the idea of counsel in Scripture, though, is not primarily a person who listens. Uh, that's really more of a secular understanding. The idea of counsel in Scripture is a person who first listens and then speaks. Uh, it describes someone who is uh, wise. You can get counsel from two friends sitting uh, over a cup of coffee talking, just uh, sharing their hearts with you, just, just listening and then giving wise, godly counsel. This describes uh, uh, someone who uh, really, really knows how to live. See, to the Greek, uh, wisdom was to know. But to the Hebrew, from which we get our Old Testament scriptures, wisdom was to do. In fact, the biggest fool of all was the person who knew but didn't do. The Bible doesn't have any uh, concept of a person whose mind is filled with information but isn't doing it, all right? Man, I've got the Bible memorized. I know so much of it. But what are you doing with it? The scripture says that knowledge as an end in itself. Knowledge puffs up, not just to know but to do what it says and... A good, wise counselor is a great assistance in that regard. It's the idea of a person who is able to consult. The Hebrew word here is yoites, counselor. His name shall be called counselor. It's the idea from 1 Kings 12, 6, even of a person who could give counsel to a king. The most complex of issues able to advise, direct well the actions of another's. Proverbs 11:14 and Proverbs 24, 6 say that in the abundance of counselors, there was wisdom. 
You understand that? One of the great uh, blessings of my life uh, and ministry is the abundance of counselors. We have uh, 10 or 15 leaders on our uh, ministry leadership team uh, staff here at the church. In addition to that, we have a group of deacons and a large group of elders between, I think, 20 and 25 godly, committed, devoted people that we uh, get together before we make any significant decisions for the life of our church. And I so benefit from that. If you want to write a word down, write this down, plurality. Good decisions are made through plurality. Now, this week we were on the phone with the Walk and the Word Board, which involves a couple of our elders and also uh, people from around the country who help serve with the Walk and the Word Board. And uh, this week, uh, the Walk in the Word board made the decision that at least for the first part of 2010, in spite of the fact that God has given us a television studio, in spite of the fact that God has done that, the, uh, gr the council gathered around that uh, decided this week and told me we're not going on television, not in the early part of 2011. The time's not right. We have to be wise about that. That wasn't easy to hear that. In fact, a couple of the board members called me after we were done and said, are you okay with that? And I said, yes, I am okay with that. I'm actually relieved by that because I'm glad to know that I don't have to make all these decisions myself and that there's a group of people gathered around who are making the best possible decisions together. Now, I'm here to tell you, that is something every person listening to me right now needs. The, the ability to submit what you think is best for your life to a group of people, your spouse, your family, your brothers and sisters, your small group leader, your pastor, whoever that would be. In fact, some people think that going for counsel is, is kind of weak, you know? Like, man, why don't you toughen up a little bit? And, and what do you need all those people up in your face telling you stuff? And, and, and actually, I think those are the people that are foolish and prideful. Getting counsel, getting wisdom, getting insight from others before I make important decisions isn't weak. It's not wimpy. Uh, some people are like, it's dangerous, man. What if they tell you to do something you don't want to do? Well, can I suggest to you that there is something even more dangerous in your life than not getting to do what you want? Sometimes the most dangerous thing for you is to get to do what you want. And that the better way of approaching life is that when I have to make key decisions, important decisions, life-altering decisions, I can't afford to be making those decisions on my own. You used to be making decisions in a group. You used to be part of a uh, 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 wise plurality of decision-making. Now you've pulled off on your own, and you're by yourself. Some of you listening right now, I'm sure you're contemplating doing something very foolish, something very unwise, something that you're going to regret, and part of that thinking guaranteed is isolation. You've got by yourself, you're, now you're in a downward spiral, no one can really speak into what you're thinking, no one can halt your progress in the wrong direction. First bad decision you made was to get yourself isolated. That's what Jacob did, and God had to go find him. That's what Elijah did, and God had to go find him. That's what Jonah did, and God had to go find him. You get yourself isolated, you're in a downward spiral quickly. The Bible has a lot to say about how to benefit from counsel, and I want to give you four things that you can jot right down right now. If Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor, and he is, most often his counsel is not going to come to you direct feed. Do you understand that? Most often the wonderful counsel that Jesus provides is not going to come to you by somebody, by Jesus Christ himself showing up in your apartment and saying, uh, it goes like this. Now, I'm not saying the Lord doesn't ever speak to people. But even people that I know who have very rarely gotten a direct word from the Lord, 
The people that I know that have done that are people who are immersed in the scriptures and in community with other believers. So jot these four things down. If you want to benefit from counsel, number one, you have to yield to God's will. You have to decide that you want what God wants for your life more than you want your way. What does God want to have happen in here? What would be God's highest and best in this situation? Secondly, you must yield to God's will. Secondly, you must really believe that others are in a, a better position to advise you. Now, I want to just tell you this. Look up here for a second. I don't say look up here because I want you to look at me. I say look up here because I want to make some eye contact with you and you're all busy looking down. Okay, so love you, love you. Look up here, okay, for a second. Most people, sadly, most people do not believe that other people are in a better position to make a decision for your life than you are. Most people believe, well, who could make a better decision for me than me? I'm like, got an hour? Like, I got a whole list of those people, okay? They're more objective. You're emotional. They're factual, okay? They're more objective. They may have more experience than you. They may have more understanding than you have. Uh, they, they are going to tell you what's best for you, not what's easiest for you. Sometimes we make the decision emotionally, what's best for me now, what's going to relieve my suffering, and we make wrong decisions, okay? So... If you want to benefit from counsel, you've got to yield to God's will. You've got to really believe in your heart that others will make better decisions for your life than you will. Number three, you have to resign as chairman of the board of your own heart. Okay? You've got to, like, turn in your resignation that, that, well, I'm in charge of me. No, you're not in charge of you. Jesus Christ is in charge of you. Secondly, uh, his representatives, your brothers and sisters in Christ, are in charge of you. You're not in charge of your life. All right? Resign. Write a letter and turn in your resignation, okay? You are not the boss of you. Jesus Christ is the boss of you, and your brothers and sisters in Christ are his representatives. And when you submit to that counsel, your life will get to a lot better place. That's what I'm doing, and that's what I commend to you as well. Fourth thing, all right? You must embrace the reality that the wonderful counsel of Jesus Christ comes from his word through his people, okay? So you know you're talking to a wonderful counselor when they're opening the scriptures and speaking the word of Christ into your life. Watch out even for Christians who counsel to your flesh. Watch out even for Christians who tell you, oh, you ought to do that, you ought to say that, you ought to straighten that out. And, and what they're really doing is they're telling you what you want to hear. They're counseling to your flesh. Find people who will go against the grain of what you want and will speak the word of Christ into your life. Look at, look at, look at. When, when my heart is a tornado, the last thing I need is somebody showing up with a fan, okay? I need somebody who can calm it down, somebody who can smooth it out. Counsel is a very powerful thing, and how much more powerful. Uh, fourthly, jot this down, that Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor. He is the wonderful counselor. Now, I just want to say this. Um, I'm sorry to tell you this. I was a little disappointed. Uh, the, the Hebrew word here is pele, from which uh, it actually means wonder or miracle. Exodus 15, 11, Who is like you, Adonai, doing pele, doing wonders? Psalm 77, 15, You are a God who does pele, who does miracles. 
Um, I wish this meant wonderful like we use the word uh, wonderful. We use the word wonderful like we had two words for every one of our kids growing up and we would speak them into their life constantly. Landon's two words uh, were weird and wonderful. You are weird and wonderful and he is in every sense of the word. And, and we love him. And when I say wonderful to him, I mean um, so tender-hearted, so loving, so precious, so he's wonderful. That's not what this means. I love that. I wish it meant that, but that's not what it means. It means miraculous is what it means. He is a miraculous counselor. He does things that no one else can do. Here, here's what it is. Look at the wisdom of Jesus Christ applied to your life is like nothing else. It's miraculous. It's, it's supernaturally insightful. You can't get it from any other source. It's, to say it's head and shoulders above, it's universally above. So here you stand at the threshold. Important decisions will be made in your life this year. Directional decisions will be made in your life this year. Life-changing decisions will be made in your life this year. You cannot afford to be making decisions without a clear word from the miraculous counselor. And that's who he is. Miraculous, supernatural, beyond by far what we could think or imagine. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And lastly, everybody can't call him that. His name shall be called. Can you call him Wonderful Counselor? Can you call him Wonderful Counselor? I don't know if you can. Everybody here can't call him that. You can only call him Wonderful Counselor if you embrace his wisdom for your life. He says he, you need a Savior, and he came to provide the forgiveness that you desperately need. For your sin, you need forgiveness, or you're not going to heaven. And Jesus is the wonderful counselor that brings that. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, but you can't call him Wonderful Counselor if you don't embrace his wisdom for your salvation, for your life, for your family, what he says about your finances, what he says about your future. You can't call him Wonderful Counselor if you don't embrace his wisdom for yourself. Okay? We're just talking about something that's very exterior to you until you embrace it. Here's what I mean by embrace, okay? Um, I need to exercise. Uh, true or false? True. I need to exercise uh, regularly, frequently, uh, energetically. I need to embrace that. Question, have I embraced it when I understand the concept of exercise? Have I? Exercise is important. Have I embraced it when I understand it? Say no. Okay? I agree that exercise is important. I agree with the principle. Have I embraced it? Say no. I bought a treadmill. <laughs> have I embraced the idea that exercise is important? I don't want to have you put your hand up, but does anyone here have exercise equipment that's underutilized? Okay, so tell me, have I embraced it when I bought some equipment? No, I have not. I have a plan. I have a schedule of exercise, when I'm going to exercise and how much and how long. Have I embraced it when I, when I, I exercised this week once. 
Have I embraced it when I exercise once a week? No, no. I have embraced that exercise is important when I make it my lifestyle. Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor. Have I embraced it when I understand the concept? Have I embraced it when I believe in the principle? Have I embraced it when I bought some equipment? Lots of people have a Bible for whom Jesus is not the wonderful counselor. But one time, one time, I, I, I did what he said. Have I embraced it when I followed his counsel one time? No, to embrace Jesus Christ as the wonderful counselor is to make his counsel your lifestyle. All right? Let's stand together for prayer. Lord, everything that we're saying about you is true. Everything that we're singing about you is true. You are the wonderful counselor. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. What should I do? I should do what Christ wants me to do. Where should I go? I should go where Christ wants me to go. How should I handle this? I should handle it as Christ wants me to. He's the wonderful counselor. So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's Word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast, where the learning is for loving, loving God and for loving others more and more until we see him face to face. Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership, and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching, and and resources are there, and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.